you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decide to Transform with executive contributor and my very good friend, G.P. Walsh, who joins me every month here on the show, and it's my pleasure to welcome him here again. G.P. is a master spiritual teacher and meditator in many different spiritual and healing modalities, including non-dual self-inquiry. And G.P., I'm excited to have you join me here today. Welcome. Hey, Tomas, good to be here. As always, I look forward to this, our day in the month. <laughs> yes, I, I do too. And, and guys, we've been doing this for about six months. And I invite you to go back and listen to all of our conversations here. They're all archived here on the show. We've talked about a lot <laughs> from <laughs> geopolitics to spirituality and everything in between. And GP, I'd like to keep it on the spiritual theme to start out here. People see you online. You've got quite a presence and a following on YouTube with Satsang and on your website. And I have always been curious. So I'd like to ask you, people see this version of you showing up and what does your daily spiritual practice look like? Well, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a model anymore as to what anybody should follow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, spiritual practice is, is something that um, morphs over time. It's it's never it's not meant to, to supposed to be static. The um, the the practice that's required from a beginner is not the same as a practice that would be uh, would be practiced by somebody who's experienced or mastered something. Um, it, it becomes at a certain point it becomes more about curiosity and exploration than about you know mastering a particular technique or something like that. So for me, it's a very spontaneous thing. I'll find myself just kind of inquiring or meditating at the most inopportune times. <laughs> um, you know, just uh, I'll just I'll just notice. Uh, remember, for me, meditation is simply watching things happen as they are, without any kind of an agenda to change it. Now that's a that's a that's a, a way of being. That's something that you can. Uh, you can uh, be that way all the time. Uh, you can get to the point where you are literally aware of everything that's going on, actively engaged, and at the same time, there's a part of you that is kind of sitting back and, and watching that doesn't have a vested interest in what the outcome is. And e even though I'll be doing something and I want to get a result from it, I mean, it's not like it's completely, it's not completely neutral on a very human relative level, there's this other dimension that I've cul cultivated over many, many years, which doesn't have, it's totally neutral, it's totally equanimous, has no 
uh, concern whatsoever, has, isn't, isn't rooting for one side or another in any discussion. Um, now, how does one get there is the question, because obviously I didn't start there. Right. right. <laughs> none of us, none of us start out economists. We, we start out, we start out, uh, you know, quite, quite uh, vigorously arguing for our position. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and yes. And in that, in that state of mind, um, uh, it, it can influence meditation. Meditation then uh, when most people start doing meditation practice, it is very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. They're after something, right? And you know, meditation has been gone, has really been morphed, and I think kind of distorted um, by the way it has been picked up and practiced in in the West. Um, in, in that, it has become about. It becomes about ROI, right? <laughs> it's about, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's about what what am I going to get out of it? And you know, there's health benefits. You know, reduces stress um, and the like. There's moral benefits. Uh, it will make you more compassionate, slower to anger, which are really the, the 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 great qualities to look for. And as a spiritual teacher and students, those are the qualities I look for. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily about the stress that happens automatically, but are you kinder? Are you more thoughtful? Are you are you slower to anger? Do things not bother you as much? Um, are you more compassionate? Do you listen better? Are you be are you more present in your relationships and in conversations? To me, that's the sign of spiritual growth. It isn't about angels singing and you know <laughs> seeing colors and, yeah. and all of that. It's about it's about the effect it has on your on the character of, of every individual. Now the way that's attained, though, is um, first. Let me let me clarify what the mistake is. And the mistake is that somehow those those wonderful qualities of compassion and empathy and presence and all of that are like um, a particular set of behaviors that you learn, like you put on the costume, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I've I've earned my you know I've earned my brown belt, my black belt, or something, right? Now I've earned my orange robe. <laughs> now I can mm -hmm. sit in the front with my orange robe on. Oh, yes. you know, and the next level, I'll get to grow the big beard or something mm -hmm. like that, right? The, the, you know, the signs of uh, the signs of the anointing. Um, they're all byproducts of the actual practice of meditation. And the actual practice of meditation is a simple watching um, without um, without having a preference for what you're watching. It is self-awareness, uh, self-witnessing without an agenda. Um, I often call it the yoga of allowing mm -hmm. because it's a, and, it, and, it, and yoga, which is another thing that's been completely, <laughs> completely distorted in the Oh man, <laughs> right? yeah. No, it, it's, it, it, I mean, good God, no, uh -huh. it's like, it's like, uh, uh, acrobatic yoga, power yoga, um, uh, hot yoga, chicken yes. and goat yoga. Um, yes, with your expensive yoga clothing. Oh my God! Yes, yes, it's yes. a must. <laughs> Saint Lululemon, right? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it, yeah, it becomes about the fashion and all of that. It it, yeah. be, it gets reduced to exercise, mm -hmm. like meditation gets reduced to stress relief. 
Whereas the, the reality of, of, of yoga is it was a preparation for a deepening of meditation. That's what it was about. It was about bringing, learning how to be fully present in your own body. That's why traditional Hatha yoga, you, 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 you take a pose and you stay there for a while. It's not like, you know, the vinyasa flow. I can't find any place that teaches Hatha yoga around anymore. I can't find a yoga studio. They're oh. all vinyasa and uh, mm. power yoga and things like that. Um, which is, I guess it's fine for, for exercise, but it, it's not, um, it, it isn't conducive to meditation. Right? Whereas the yeah. original yoga, that was its whole purpose. Mm. Hatha yoga is one of eight paths of yoga. <laughs> right um including which includes meditation raja yoga and, and seva yoga and and um karma yoga and jnana yoga a bunch of different uh, different different kinds that's the only one that concerns itself with your physical posture mm -hmm. um and so when you you get into an asana or a posture you you hold that posture and so all of your attention it, it comes inward you don't have time to be thinking about a lot of stuff, right? You're trying to stay in this one position and you think you got it. And then the teacher comes by and says, no, no, lower your shoulders, <laughs> right? You find some part of you is, you know, is, is bent out of shape or something's not quite right. But after a while, if you keep doing it, it all begins to harmonize. And as it does, you feel the power of that particular position and what it does to the internal energy and the organs, the whole effect that it has. So it's a it's a it's an appropriate metaphor when I talk about the yoga of allowing, because it's very hard for people to meditate without commentary. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm not talking about just I'm going to try to stop my mind now, because you know trying to stop your mind. Muji said it. Trying to stop your mind is like trying to stop the wind dressed as a kite. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Um, and and that itself is the mind. It's a thought. I want to stop my mind is a thought, right? So the the real mission is to simply become a very expert observer or witness to what's happening inside. You become, if you just uh, go into a meditative uh, position, and I don't care whether position is right. Um, I I I simply recommend don't lay down because. <laughs> There's a tendency uh, yeah. to fall asleep. Mm. So, oh, yeah. You know, sit up. I can't. I've never been able to get into that lotus position, right? <laughs> oh, <I'm> sure. <laughs> so, so fortunately, it's not required. <laughs> this is true. Yes. <laughs> Very fortunately, because mm. I wouldn't be able to do anything if that was required. Um, and, and then you simply watch. You simply watch what you're feeling. And you'll notice that if you just quiet yourself for a minute, you can start by just breathing focusing your attention in the body um, and then just watch the feelings as they run through your body notice that they're not static that they're constantly in motion and that the the, the mind is constantly wanting to comment about it right now normally we're not when we're not aware of that we're so engaged with our mind and, and identified with it that we take those comments for our own. We don't realize that that too is something that we can actually observe. And in that process of, of pure observation, you fall into this place that I like to call the peacemaker. You're not 
you're not taking sides. You're not arguing for a position. You're not trying to make one thing right and another thing wrong, which is often what happens, especially in self-help and uh, especially since the advent of the secret and the law of attraction, you know, people are scared to death. They're, oh my God, it's a negative thought. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> but if you're just there with uh, incomplete equanimity, it's just whatever's there happens to be there and nothing is a problem unless you say it is. So if you decide it isn't, then it isn't. Um, suddenly a completely different energy, internal energy begins to happen. And little by little, it becomes much easier to sit in that place of allowing. And in that place, I have, I have found, is the, is the place of wisdom. That's the place where you start seeing things as they are, not through the prejudice of your beliefs or assumptions or old habits or what you were taught. You actually see things as they are. It becomes very easy to dismiss thoughts that are obviously not useful right? Critical, judgmental, hateful, mm -hmm. um, you know, bigoted, all of the things that, um, you know, that, that many people struggle with and we struggle with as a culture. Um, they, they, you begin to realize that the entire patterns of thought are conditioned to programs. None of them are you. None of them are original yeah. to you. Right. <laughs> and in that realization, you get power over them. You no longer have to participate. And that is so empowering to recognize that you're, you are aware of these things. You're not immediately you know, um, being drawn in to the, to the drama. Mm -hmm. um, this is a freedom by which you can choose. You know, I don't want to get drawn into that, into that drama. And the beautiful thing is without your attention, no thought pattern can survive. You're the, you're, the, you're the outlet. It has to plug into you. If it doesn't grab your attention, um, then, uh, then it will eventually, I don't care how extreme the thought pattern is or how long it's bothered you, it will disappear because it, it has no energy of its own. It absolutely relies on, on, on you. Nusa um, Gadada put it beautifully. He says, you don't have to stop your thoughts. Just lose interest in them. <laughs> Simple as that. It becomes like, you know, a radio playing in another room. Yeah, right. you're aware it's there, but so what? Mm -hmm. what? What effect does that have? And, and, and this is where I start people. And this is not a beginner process. It, this is a practice. And like yoga, you can do it your whole life. Or music, you do it your whole life. Or many different skills are practices, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's the kind of thing that just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I found that it's a prerequisite for most people, especially in the West, where we don't have any kind of uh, monastic or uh, the same kind of spiritual traditions that they would have in like, in like uh, India or in the Zen traditions and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, in, in the West, where we're much more cere cerebral, that it's an absolute essential before somebody can step into the capacity to do the kind of non-dual inquiry that I, that I do. First, you have to establish a harmonious relationship with yourself. When you stop fighting yourself, you, you suddenly have access to um, areas of yourself that have been hidden. And not only is it opens up the door for that, but this is also, by the way, the cure for traumas. <laughs> okay. it's, it's highly therapeutic because traumas are simply all this stuff that's buried underneath 
that we can't get to. And we can't get to because of all the just layers and layers of assumptions and beliefs and ideas and thoughts and patterns and the like. Um, and as you begin to go through those, uh, back down closer and closer to the original, the you that was there before all the conditioning took place, um, you'll find all sorts of things falling away, all sorts of yeah. problems. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> and there's, there's overwhelming evidence, uh, you know, statistical evidence of the relationship between trauma and physical illness. Um, <clears throat> I was listening to Gabar Mate, who's a, a medical doctor who talks about this. And he says, I'm just dumbfounded. He was just, um, report after report of, of the relationship between, between childhood trauma and physical illness. I mean, including things like cancer and I mean, all of them with the exception of like a broken bone, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some of the structural ones, not, but every single other one, uh, it, it, is, it is the leading factor. And he says at the same time, there is not one single course still being taught in any of the medical colleges or universities, even the big ones like Harvard, not one course or even a lecture on childhood trauma. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's just completely ignored, right? It's, mm. a, it's an ideology that, that it's ignored. And then, you know, people like Bruce Lipton or something who talk about, uh, you know, mind-body relationship or Dr. John Sarno, who, you know, who wrote the book, um, uh, The Mind-Body mind Continuum or something. I can't remember what it, exactly what it was called. Um, they're kind of regarded as peripheral out there, right? And, and yet the evidence is like, I, I mean, it's overwhelming. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's statistically accurate. It conform, I mean, these studies are printed in the New England Journal of Medicine, the, you know, the Harvard, the Harvard uh, Journal of Medicine. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, it's not in Crystal's magazine, right? <laughs> it's not <laughs> no oh. you know oh. you know right. or or yoga today or something uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's not yeah. in any of those it's in the legitimate you know these are uh, uh, these are re uh, these are legitimate statistical studies that are simply being ignored and and um it, it's interesting because uh, Gabor Mati, who i really admire um his his process he calls compassionate inquiry okay and it is just this kind of an inquiry into ourselves that allows us to really, once you've established an inner place of allowing, where you have a harmonious and a loving relationship towards yourself, um, you're now in a position to very compassionately allow all the real bad shit to start coming up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tough stuff, mm -hmm. the stuff mm -hmm. we don't want to face, you know. Right. Like, you know, those, those memories that we, we've blotted out of our mind of, of abuse and neglect and diminishment and, you know, all of the, all of the stuff that created all of our adult, all of our adult problems. Right? And I, I will be unequivocal about it, all of them. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. All, all come from there. So um, I know this started out with my practice, right? Mm -hmm. But this is this is what I've you know learned over the last fifty years. Um, yeah. you know, I, I started out you know my butt on a cushion in trying to hold that position. You know I had like five cushions because my legs didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, right on. All right. Yeah. And you know just sitting there trying to do it in in that way. I, I practiced 
I practice metaphysical healing and affirmative prayer and, and thing, things like that, all, all the disciplines of, of that kind. But I, it, it took me a while before I, I realized that the essential ingredient was this relationship between yourself and your own inner world, that all of the traumas had created a, what I like, what I call a soul disconnect. Okay. Mm -hmm. The real you, the original innocent you, um, when it expresses itself in, in an environment um, and that environment is hostile towards it and everybody's environment is hostile towards who they are at, to some degree. Some it's horrible. Some it's just mm, a downright sure. abuse. Oh, yeah. Others it's milder, but nobody gets through childhood unscathed. Nobody's allowed to completely be themselves. You know, we have to conform to whoever our tribe is. Um, and in that process, we have the essential conflict between our need for our, our need for attachment, our need for bonding with parents and that sort of thing, because our lives depend on them, right? You know, you're 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 well into double digits in years before you can possibly survive on your own as a human being. Mm -hmm. Or not like horses that are running around and eating that afternoon, right? After they've been born in the morning. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we take years, decades to actually get to the point of, of self-sufficiency. Um, and so this is something that's systematically going on and on. So there's that need for bonding or the uh, or parental attachment. At the same time, the other need that is really unique in human beings is uh, authenticity, to be yourself, self-expression. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And these are the things that get in conflict. And and if there's a conflict between survival, which depends on the tribe, and your self-expression, guess who wins, right? Um, yeah. You end up, all the qualities that are you but are not acceptable, that's all the stuff that goes down into the basement where you don't have access to it. And that disconnect that sends it down to the basement is the essential, essential trauma. Mm -hmm. That is what trauma is. You have been disconnected from your own true nature. And the nervous system in the most brilliant and clever, <laughs> I mean, just utterly clever, in order to keep you safe, it not only buries you down in the basement, it creates a false version of you to present to the environment. Yes. This, this is, and this is the birth spirit, spiritually of what's called the separate self. Uh, psychologically, it's the ego. It, it's the sense of identity you had to become in order to be able to survive, for survive. If you hadn't, you'd either be dead or you'd be nuts. And you know, I, you know, I, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, people in mental institutions need gurus, <laughs> mm. <laughs> not not uh, not 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 psychiatrists. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and this is something that uh, that you teach. Um, so for the listeners that are not familiar with GP's work, this is a large part of the basis of um, GP of your signature signature course, inner reconciliation, yeah. and. Yeah, and this is, this is so fascinating. It, it really is truly fascinating. And as far <laughs> it as is. I mean, it, it, is. Re it really it's is totally absorbing. It's like, wow, this is this is fun. <laughs> it, it, it is fun. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, if you have had experiences of reconciling or beginning to reconcile your own self-expression with all of the values and programs of, of the tribe, you'll know that it's, it's very interesting indeed. <laughs> very, very interesting indeed. And, 
if you've even gotten to the point where you realize that there's a disconnect between you and the tribe and and that there may be more to this sense of discomfort and or feeling like a phony right or getting to a point in your life and going yeah. i hate my life how did i get here mm. um, even that is a good sign I, it's not a happy sign <laughs> you know no no right it's kind of like you know road closed ahead <laughs> yes. you know not the sign you want to see but nonetheless <laughs> it's it is portentous it's auspicious it, it is, is um, you know, these are angelic visitors going, you know, you're two quarts low, Jack. It's an idiot light on the dashboard. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and that discomfort is, you know, you just, we're seeing, I see it more, more and more. As a matter of fact, I would say that the majority of my students have come to me because they hit that discomfort and, and couldn't run away from it anymore. Yeah, yeah. At some point, the discomfort becomes so enormous that one then has to yes. look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you run out of you run out of moves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, right. You've tried everything, and nothing yeah. has worked. Nothing <laughs> then has worked. what do you do? Yeah. Now what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you know this is something that's um, I, I mean again it, it's so multifaceted for a lot of people because these conditioned responses are so ingrained. Now, question for you: At what point did you become aware, if you remember, that uh, that you had that that disconnect between your own programs, your own tribal identity? and your self-expression was there and it was a real thing. At what point did you become aware of that conflict? Um, that's interesting because I was aware of it, but didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. you, know? Mm -hmm. you know, I started on this path a long time ago, long before self-help existed. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was right. before Course in Miracles was written. Sure. <laughs> Let alone anybody knew about it. Um, <laughs> right. Nobody had heard of Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer and any mm -hmm. of these people. And I'm just I'm trying to sort this all out. And I, I didn't even have a, I didn't have a language to articulate it. I I never heard the word conditioning. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right now it's yeah. now it's a household household word. But the only people who use those kinds of words or PhDs in psychology at colleges or universities somewhere. It wasn't in them, the, the, the normal mainstream lexicon. Mm -hmm. um, so I just had, so at first I just kind of took all these things as flaws to be overcome, right? As, you know, these problems and, uh, you know, that I had and habits and these kinds of things that, you know, that somehow I had to figure out a way to get rid of them to transcend them or to fix them or, 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 or anything. Um, because I, I had the essential idea that there was something wrong that needed to be fixed. Yeah. And I went through many, many different, uh, you know, traditions and different, uh, you know, both spiritual, uh, uh, metaphysical, psychological, emotional, all sorts of different ways of approaching it. And it was, probably in the late well the late 90s or middle 90s i ran into advaita vedanta through nisargadatta okay um which gave me a completely different perspective on things um and then zen uh right around the same time i ran into zen buddhism and started uh, looking into both of these teachings which really really blew my mind um and but and it, but it was a while before I connected <clears throat> connected the dots. 
um, and and um, the, the actual experience <laughs> that connected all the dots for me um, <laughs> was actually quite comical. Um, it's about I don't know two thousand five, um, and I had worked with inner energies. I'd worked with archetypes. I'd worked with oh, yeah. um, you know um, mythology. Um, there was a you know, a time I was doing men's work, it was the time of the mythopoetic, you know, Robert Bly and, yeah. and Sam Keen and that sort of stuff, which was really interesting and really fun. But uh, I also had some experience with like voice dialogue and some other kinds of things that were looking, you know, differently. There's the aware of subpersonalities and, and stuff like that. But there was still this unspoken law that somehow, somehow these were things you had to get rid of or fix in some way. Right. Um, even though I was even begin to, beginning to see that the demons talked about in mythology were actually me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I could, I could, we could do a whole show of that. It's just so, it's just so much fun to talk mm -hmm. about. But at any rate, I was at this place and I made up my mind that I no longer wanted to do anything other than teach this. Right. But okay. over the course of the years, while I have, I've always been teaching this and counseling people. I've also done music. I've done voiceovers. I started businesses. I, um, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to provide for two sons I was raising, and, and uh, right. you know, I learned how to com do computers. I did computer systems. Mm -hmm. I was a consultant for a while. Yeah. Um, so it, I was, it was, you know, I did everything I had to do. But I thought, okay, it's time. I don't want to do anything else but this now. Right? Okay. Yeah. This is where my passion. This is my heart's always been. Yeah. Um, yeah. For there was a while where I was like, do I want a composer or this composer or this? Uh, um, mm -hmm. Because I just I still love I still write music. I was writing a piece just before we start started okay. today. Wow. I just kind of got wow. inspired this morning. Um, anyway, but I'm not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm utterly stuck. Right? Okay. Everything I tried to do to try to make the transition, nothing worked. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a few things here and there, but it was just completely and totally flat. It, just, it was just, there was this wall. And I had, you know, this is, you know, 35 years after my, I, you know, I started down this path. So I had a lot of tools in the toolbox, right? <laughs> oh, you bet. Most definitely. I, I tried them all. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> and they all failed. <laughs> i said okay oh. <laughs> now what the hell do i do right mm. okay I, I i give up and one day i literally did i was just looking and i go i haven't got a clue i have not got a clue and i just kind of sat back my hands in my lap i was sitting at my desk looking out the window just closed my eyes for a second and go i i give up and all of a sudden, this image start popped into my head. I found myself sitting at a big conference table. And all around the co conference table were secret service agents. Oh, okay. You know, the little guys, the sunglasses. Yeah, the, you bet. Little curly earpiece, you know, coming down, the black suits and the black tie, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I look, looking around, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, okay, this is, uh, this is interesting. Um, and I look to my right and just his face just inches away from me is another one of the secret service agents, right? He was, he looked like Smith, right? From the movie, the matrix, right? All right. Sure. He was, you he bet. was obviously in charge. Right. Mm. And he's like, right here. <laughs> right. And I went, 
I, I, I look and I go, um, who are you? And there's no answer. Okay, well, it's not a who, it's me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is all in my... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, so why are you here? And he said, to protect you. Said, to protect me from what? From everything. What? Mm. For every, everything. There's danger everywhere. He says, okay. <laughs> protect me from everything. But, but, but what about... Nope, can't chance it. Too dangerous. He's just adamant, just absolutely unmoving. And I thought, okay, but you know, I would really, you, you're the worst. We have to protect, <laughs> we have to protect you from you, everybody else from you, and you from everybody else. Mm -hmm. I went, okay, <laughs> that doesn't leave me much room. <laughs> um, you know, as I mentioned before, by this time, I had had some experience working with archetypes and stuff, and I realized that I was having, in a very real way, a conversation with a, with a, with a part of myself, namely right. the defense mechanism. I was yeah. literally talking to the reptilian stem, right? Sure. That only cared about survival. Mm -hmm. right? And I said, oh, okay, I, I get it. Um, so you have to protect me, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and me, I'm the worst. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> All right. Okay. Would it be possible for you to protect me, but outside? I mean, it's really hard to do anything with you right here in my face. But so could you like, like maybe outside the office and then if something goes wrong, you can run in and save the day and take over and, you know, stick me back in the closet, whatever you need to do. This look comes over his face. He's thinking, all right, but we're right outside. Mm, right. No, no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And boom, all of a sudden it was like, I was back in my office and it was like this weight had just come off my shoulders. I was like, ah, oh. it was probably within a month. I'd started a, a podcast. I had 25,000 downloads a month. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I mean, it just, all yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden the way started, had started to open. Some new contacts had come and, and in a relatively short time, this is what I was doing full time. Um, and I thought, well, how fascinating mm. <laughs> by by uh, all of that. It's almost comical when you think about it, but that was what opened up the door. I, I realized that I had created an antagonistic relationship towards my own inner energies. Right. That I was never going to get the protective mechanism to go away. And I wouldn't want it to. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, would be, that would be kind of silly. Um, uh, you know, I mean, if, if it's nothing but the protective mechanism, you're basically an ant, right? There's no authenticity. But if the, it isn't there, you'll have a very dramatic life, but it won't last very long, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. it'll just, you'll just implode. So there has to be, uh, and this was the key I learned from Zen, this flow, right? It was never in yeah. any one position. It was always moving. Um, and that was the the realization that completely shifted my relationship with i didn't need to get rid of anything i needed to reconcile with these energies that the the safety mechanism wasn't going to stop trying to keep me safe 
but I could engage it in such a way that it would find a different way to do it that would also allow me that freedom of self-expression and authenticity. Right. Um, and yeah. that in, in that moment, inner reconciliation was born. Okay. It's a reconciling. It's not self-help. <laughs> it's not no. personal development. It's not self-fixing in any way because there's nothing wrong with you. Right. You've simply created an antagonistic relationship with yourself. That's the soul disconnect. That you are down in the basement, right? And you're and, and the one you think you are, you're trying to improve. Yeah. <laughs> you're giving yes. medicine to a ghost, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that, that's uh, that describes pretty much almost everything that we do in the world is trying to feed the ghost and, and clothe it and tuck it in for bed and things. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was such a revelation. And in that moment, just everything I knew just converged Mm. into this place. Right. And it's like, Oh, wow. I mean, uh, the way I taught meditation changed the way I can imagine the way I worked with uh, people coaching them. I just started trying out little questions with somebody. Okay this you know they're feeling a resistance like yeah you know what ask the resistance what are you protecting me from mm-hmm. and they were stunned they got an answer <laughs> oh yeah oh, <laughs> this yeah. answer just pops up out of nowhere mm-hmm. you know and, and sometimes i mean some of the things that have come up have been so strange the last <laughs> you know i i mean i don't i don't teach things like past life regression and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. but i just ask the energy what what's going on because it knows um, oh, and sure. it reveals stuff, uh, you know, I mean, just, okay, <laughs> I accept whatever you say. <laughs> and there's yeah. some things that come up, but they're clearly, they, they are not traumas of this life. Yes, they're, right. They're, they're carry, carryovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it's evident in the energy itself, right? So I don't go looking for any of this stuff, but uh, when you create that kind of inner environment of cooperation and safety, for the whole energy system, it reveals whatever it needs to reveal and, uh, and doesn't reveal what it doesn't need to reveal. So there's no ab reaction. There's no reliving the trauma. Right? <laughs> yeah. I've been to, I've, you know, prior to that, I've been to seminars, uh, you know, for dealing with trauma and they were, they were more traumatic than the original trauma. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah i can about was, imagine yes mm-hmm. um so it, it was just so gentle and so kind and so interesting and so and so humorous <laughs> yeah well it's like well it's like your defense mechanism said there's danger everywhere so yes. you never know what form that danger is gonna take exactly yeah. and here's the thing if you are if your world imagine yourself you are the reptilian stem okay you are the protective mechanism. That's your only job. Right. For you, there is danger everywhere. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're not interested in fun. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you're not interested in have a good time. You're not interested in growing and evolving, right? You're not interested in romance, curing the violins. You're only interested in survival. And so when you see it in those terms, you don't need to try to force it to be anything else. You, and, and in that process, by simply allowing it to be what it is, um, it, it begins to respond to that energy because now it doesn't have to defend itself against you. 
<laughs> yes. Is it, right? It's, it's, it has to worry about the whole world. And of course, it's got to worry about you too. As, as Smith said, oh, you, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Now, what happens in your experience when someone begins to drop those defenses to all of these experiences? Well, remember that the energy of defense and the energy of self-expression are the same energy. You know, uh, okay. when you get a when you get a cold, right? You, you know, your body just takes all the extra energy away, you know, to fight off the intruder. You know, so yeah. if if it need, if it needs to, it will lay you flat on your back, right? You know, fill up every porous in you with all sorts of nasty stuff yeah. right boogers boogers and you know you'll have yeah. just all sorts of grumbling and stuff in your body you have got no energy for creative engagement or right. enthusiasm or, or anything because the the defense needs it right that's job one and mm -hmm. i i agree with it at that particular time yep take it yeah yeah because <laughs> if it doesn't take it you're dead then, right yeah. and that's kind of a moot point and all your growth and all of that, right? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I almost lost my I almost lost my place there. Um, so the same thing is true um, when we're, we get stuck in the defensive posture, which we all have. That's the that's the nature of the soul disconnect, is that the energy is now more on defense, because it's always monitoring the environment to keep up the false facade, right? Yes. Right. And so a lot of the energy that you need for living your life uh, isn't available. It's over here. So we, you know, we get older, we want to, we want to have more, more things. We want to grow. We want to evolve. We find all these obstacles in the way. We find we don't have the inner resources to do it. Things just aren't working. And we think there's something wrong with me or I got to get rid of resistance. All of the stuff that people, people go through, which I did too. Sure. Um, yeah. Only, only if you recognize that. Oh, your nervous system just doesn't think it's safe for you to have it. Let's reconcile with the nervous system. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. So let's not leave that out of the picture. So your job is to become neutral, right? And and then the defense mechanism can see for itself whether or not it's safe. If it's safe, it goes cool have at it and then all of that energy goes immediately from defensiveness to expressiveness it just immediately just like it was for me all of a sudden in in one in one moment all of the energy that had been restricting me now was supporting me okay uh, yeah that's beautiful that it's instantaneous like that it is instantaneous yeah. as mm -hmm. soon as it's convinced that the the danger has passed but this is this is the whole exercise of of inner reconciliation is it's got to be it's got to see that the danger has passed right you can't force it and the way you do that is that yoga valang you start yourself by becoming safe you stop judging you stop criticizing you you let go of your agenda you just start being present and that is that's that uh, uh, shift in the energy of the environment is immediately detected by your nervous system. Yes. It's the most highly adaptive thing in the entire universe. The tiniest little difference that occurs in the environment and it's aware of it. Right? And if it's consistent, right? 
it, it will begin to adapt to it. It, you know, it's like water. It will take the shape of whatever container you put it in. Mm, right. And that's the nature of the, our, our, our nervous system. But that's the message. That's the job. You've got to let it know the war's over. Mm-hmm. And just a great illustration of this I use a lot is that years after uh, World War II ended, um, scattered throughout the, the South Pacific Islands, there were still Japanese soldiers fighting who didn't know the war was over. Right years five six seven years i heard one uh, even like it was like 1971 that's like oh, wow. 20, that's like wow. 25 years later or something yeah. like that yeah. uh, um it's just like crazy um and um but this is the this is the way it works and once they found them it took a while to convince them <laughs> that this wasn't a trick mm-hmm. right that it really right. was over they had to come to see it for themselves. They didn't just believe it because you said so. Of course. And, and so this is the job. This is the, the job. Um, because I cooperated with Smith, I didn't try to force him out of the room. Yeah. I asked him if that was possible. Now, if he had said, no, that wasn't, I would have had to accept that. And maybe come back later and we try again, or we, is there something you can do, right? Is there anything that we can possibly be, be done? And, and at that particular time, I'd already done enough work, at least in this direction, that I was ready to actually, you know, be fully present with it. Sure. Sometimes if this is the first time, you know, you may not, you know, it could take some time for you to get to the place of equanimity where you could accept that answer. And if you can, now you're having a real conversation. You're having a real relationship, you know, because most of the time it's, you know, it's, it's like any relationship, you know, you're you're talking to somebody and um, while they're talking, you're just planning what you're going to say next. You're not really listening. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you can always tell, (laughs) you can tell when somebody's doing that to you too. Right. It's especially, you know, in an argument in an intimate relationship, right. Mm -hmm. You're just looking for ammo to show them how wrong they are. (laughs) Right. Yes. And how how well does that work in terms of patching up a relationship? Well, I think as we all know, it's not as well as we think. No, we we want to be listened to. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you become a listener, um, to all of the energy within you, you find there are no de- devils in you. There are no demons. There are no crazy parts. There, there's no, no, nothing that needs to be abandoned or pushed aside. There are no negative thoughts or feelings. Mm-hmm. Your inner world actually is unbelievably beautiful and harmonious, and it's functioning perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's functioning perfectly. And and GP, you've said on this show and other shows that we're not broken. That's that's the real beauty of it is, is we come to an understanding of the fact that we're inherently not broken. Not. When we understand ourselves and, you know, when you're understanding, you know, I talk about the protective mechanism. This is all you. Yeah. It, it's not like there's somebody else in there that we're... <laughs> It, these are just simply disowned aspects of yourself, the stuff that got sent to the basement. You know, in shamanism, they call it soul fragmentation. Sure, right. right? Mm-hmm. It's not that you're actually fragmented, but because of the 
because of the conditioning and the things that happen and the traumatic splits and that sort of thing, it feels as if it's an antagonistic force inside of you. Yeah. But it's not. It's you. <laughs> right. It's you. Smith is you. And, and the expensive suit is also you. Is also you. Mm -hmm. All the gods and goddesses are you. <laughs> All of them. You're Yahweh, you're Zeus, you're Aphrodite, you're all of them. I, I love I, I love looking into the myths. Become a, a real fan of Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Um, because it's just it it these that's what they represent. They represent these aspects of yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, Jung saw that and called them the the archetypes. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, 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 and they are. They're aspects of yourself. You are every 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 god and every demon. You're the devil, <laughs> and you're the angel. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we threw in the latter part that we're also the <laughs> angel. Yeah, because yeah. there are plenty of people that think, "Oh, we're, well, I am the devil." <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, the god within is one of the most heavily uh, uh, disowned self. Oh, that's blasphemy, right? Uh, mm. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that that too, the yeah. divinity is also you. I, I I I usually introduce that far into the end, like mm. when I'm teaching about the chakras, because the chakras are another mythological system that represent the same, yes, same right. things. As a matter of fact, the defense yeah. energy is the first chakra, mm -hmm. the tribe. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is, and the sense of authenticity and freedom is the second chakra, which I call the nymph. Um, so they represent these aspects of ourselves um, that have become splintered. And they become splintered because identified with the person that the nervous system had to create in order to survive, right? Immediately yeah. created a schism between you and all these other guys. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. Right? Because they're a problem now. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. even the angel will appear as a devil. Right. <laughs> Uh, yes. and, and so the whole problem is, is that you've taken this position as this person. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the essence of what I learned in Zen. That that is the, that, that the moment I, I regard myself as someone, as this person, I've gotten stuck. And in Sanskrit, okay. the, the yeah. word for suffering and the word for stuck are the same word. So when, the, when I think I am this, then these are my beliefs, these are my ideas, these are my assumptions, these are how I feel about things. Then holding this position, this position becomes wrong. Mm -hmm. right? right, exactly. And I have out of thin air created conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where there right. isn't any. Yeah, that, that describes our entire experience in this world. Creating conflict out of thin air. Out of thin air. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just such a gift uh, to finally, mm. to finally just find myself uh, on a Zen retreat. Just mm. I was gone, the position yeah. was gone. I was absolutely fluid and flowing, and I didn't. I I was nobody. <laughs> that sounds so strange. <laughs> right to, here, yeah. we live yeah. in a culture of trying to. I'm going to be somebody. <laughs> uh, yes. right? It's like I'm nobody. Oh God, what a relief. Mm, well, and isn't it nice that the solution is, is something completely different than we're raised to believe in this culture? <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, and GP, what's beautiful is that you are 
consistently showing up and, and actively teaching this. And for someone that's listening to this material, um, for uh, they've never heard of inner reconciliation or, or the yoga of allowing until now, where would you recommend that someone start in this process? Oh, gpwalsh.com. Um, I, I, I cover, I cover a lot of it <laughs> there. Um, uh, and, and, and of course I've got courses on it. There's a course on, um, on inner reconciliation. I've created three different levels of it, um, that, uh, they can get, I do training on how to help people facilitate others using this process. Even people who've never helped and never coached anybody before and people who are experienced coaches, right. I've got therapists and PhDs <laughs> that, um, that have uh, that have adopted it as part of their practice because it's not a it's mm -hmm. not a technique it's not a process it's right it, it's it doesn't replace anything it's a perspective it's an it is just kind of that energy of of presence and unconditional love that you bring to whatever you do and yeah. it's liberated really liberated a lot of uh, therapists and people who work uh, mm -hmm. Um, because they they have a completely different perspective of, of, about it, so it's made them more effective. Mm. Um, so yeah, gpwalsh.com is the best place to to go to to uh, to dig stuff up. Beautiful. Um, yeah, and that that has links to get you over to my uh, to my school room. I call it the Ohm School. Yes, that's <laughs> got all of the classes on it. I've got stuff on mm. EFT, on the chakras, on inner reconciliation, on meditation, on non duality. Um, anything, you know, I got it all, whatever, you know, you're looking for what I got. It. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, and then for the listeners, this also includes some meditations, the guided meditations, beautiful yes. guided meditations that GP has led and some of his own musical compositions as well. Ah, uh, yes, I still do that. Yeah, I still, yeah. Do that. I still love to do that. Yeah, it's, and it's great that that's available also on the site. And it's gpwalsh.com, guys. I can't recommend that to you enough. These courses are very in-depth and, well, they work. <laughs> they work. <laughs> Did we say anything else? They just work. So They that, work, yes. That, yeah. That's the only thing it really needs to be said. Okay, it's a great theory. It's really good, but... Does it work? Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, it works. Well. It works in the most practical and gentle way. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's absolutely true. And again, and that's gpwalsh.com. GP, this has been really amazing. We always have a, a wonderful conversation on here. And it's been my pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me here again. Wonderful. Thanks, Tomas. All right, guys, this has been gpwalsh.com. Uh, gpwalsh.com, that's his website. This is GP Walsh, not gpwalsh.com or Smith or um, the, the <laughs> yeah. guy in the black suit, stylish black suit. Yeah. And, and guys, this has been Decide to Transform. Thank you so much for joining me here today. <laughs>